still seven lengths in front. Sender Walk can't pick him up. He's at Frankel. He gets an immediate response. The champion starts to draw away. And a very warm welcome to the Bastards Inquiry Royal Ascot Special Preview Podcast. My name's Lee Keys of SystemBet.co.uk, and my partner in crime, my partners in crime today, is John Lang of John Joe's Blogspot, and the absolutely fantastic Catherine Fry uh, is joining us again for this for this blockbuster of a preview. It's an absolutely brilliant show, and we've also got a special guest today. It is. Lorne Malvo from Twitter. You wanted to be on the show, and we'll accept anybody. So we, yeah, we, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you, you, at the end of the show, your your listener will have concluded that frankly anybody is welcome. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> we are truly interactive. Yes, precisely. So, to, <laughs> so today, folks, we've we've got an absolutely blockbuster of a show because obviously with the bets and etc., it's an extended sermon. We're probably looking at around an hour's time frame rather than 30 minutes. And that's so I'm going to get straight on with, with the issues. And, and I think I think what's bubbling under the surface right now, it'll probably make a bit more mainstream tomorrow because it's sort of surface today, was a story in the Irish Independent, guys. And, and uh, old Jim Bolger's popped up again with his, uh, with his uh, drugs accusations on uh, trainers in Ireland. Any, any thoughts on this? Anyone want to start uh, on this one? I'll give it a whirl. Um, well, I mean, really, Jim should either put up or shut up. You know, I mean, the Irish racing authorities don't mind being a bit draconian and don't, they don't mind kicking a show doors down without an awful lot of proof. So, I mean, if Jim went to see him, I'm sure they'd be quite happy to kick some doors down. But, I mean, we're just getting this time and time again from Jim. I think... Uh, the RTE, anyway, they're going to commission a drama about Jim and uh, his heritage at Culloden, and they're going to call it Shite Ed Revisited. <laughs> um, you, you know, I mean, there's just absolutely no need for this. He, he should go to the authorities and tell them, but, he, you know, he just prefers to really all seem smugness that I know what's going on, but he's not telling anybody, you know I mean? He, if he saw the Andrex puppy getting raped, he probably wouldn't say how done he. <laughs> very, um, I, think, I think he might. <laughs> he's very Father Len Brennan, isn't he, out of like Father Ted, you know? Very much so. Only a bit, a bit more stuffed with religion. Yeah, <laughs> if that's possible. Oh, yeah. But, but do you think there's any appetite amongst the authorities in Ireland to do anything about the problem in quotes i mean you know horse racing is such an enormous part of the irish economy do, do, do you think they there's actually any real appetite to to clean house given no, that I, I think it's 50 50 yeah mm. it, it's certainly a bigger consideration than it was when the one vincent o'brien off you know i mean it wasn't the, yeah. the the underpinning of the economy like it is now no so you could be right there why do you think? Why do you think racing media itself is sort of like really not keen to mention any of this? I mean, I mean you know, like the, the Irish have just blitzed Cheltenham for the last five years, and you know, absolutely blitzed it. 
And and there's absolutely no suggestion, there'll never been any suggestion whatsoever of, of any foul play from anyone. No. I mean, what, you know. Because you can't, when, you can't rock the gravy train. Yeah. Like I'm you, sorry, can be. If you say, like, one thing that isn't deemed acceptable, you're out. Well, precisely. I mean, look at Lydia Hislop and, and Nikki Henderson. I mean, she, all she dared to... I know, yeah. Yes, was the ground was you know, a bit more wet than he thought, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of what it's like, you know, that she burgled his house. It, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> and, and so that sort of aggression tends to warn these yeah. people off. And bear in mind, they all went to the same schools. They're all intermarried. I mean, you know, it, it is a cradle, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, they all, they, they, <laughs> the cycles come from the same line, don't they? Yeah. 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 You, you, you can trace the entire racing media back to, to, to two people, I think, over 200 years ago. It, it is that. Yeah, yeah. Um, incestuous. Yeah, at least with the arses, there was three fairbreds, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a gooseberry, wasn't there? Someone having a look, looking at their watch, saying, "Hurry up!" You know. So, but but round here, uh, currently, it, it is it is a very very you know close knit family. Um, you know, you you listen, you when you look at the backstories of a lot of jockeys, you'll find out they're married to some trainer's sister and vice versa. Yeah. You know. So so I don't think there's going to be any real appetite to disrupt the gravy train from within i mean i don't know about the cycling but i think it was uh, an external journalist that that blew the, the the lance armstrong thing wide open um and so perhaps you know it's going to take a sort of a third party scrutiny to open up whatever can of worms may or may not exist mm. probably well, a journalist Racing media, I can tell you now, having spent time in the press room and, and just like that, there's probably about 2% nice people in there. Lydia being one of them, Lydia is absolutely brilliant and will help anybody up the ladder, will give time to anybody. Very, very, very nice person. And But unfortunately, away from the kind of maybe handful of nice people in there, they're an absolute bunch of shithouses. Mm-hmm. And they are, it's like a viper's nest in there. You know, they're all trying to do each other, but oh no, can't mention that. When, you know, when when the cameras are off or they ha- they haven't got any sort of, they're not actually working. Trust me, the the talk in there is what we talk about, but they just won't do it to an audience. No. Yeah. Well, a lot of them aren't. Well, I think they are journalists, I suppose, in the ordinary natural sense, but but they are. You know, they're kind of like um, sort of cub reporters on steroids. I mean, they, they, they rock up to the races, you know, get the dictaphone out, stick it under Aidan O'Brien's left ear or right ear, whatever the one he tilts to one side, and and, and effectively cut and paste verbatim what the trainers yeah. sign yeah, yeah. up there. Yeah. There's no real journalism there. It's sort of GCSE project work, isn't it? I think. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we'll move on from that, but basically... We don't think anything, I think the Barstow's consensus, we don't think anything is going to get really changed in the short term until probably Jim's on his deathbed and then he decides to, uh, to re- really, yeah, really all off. Which is a shame. But anyway, um, we'll move on. Um, Nick Davis, he's a big fan of the show and a very, very clued up punter. And he's done some valuable research this week on ground and the way we've gone with with racing, flat racing predominantly, uh, as he's done some research on turf tracks going going stick archives. And there's some damning evidence to say 
uh, we've gone all snowflakey with, with with the ground. Uh, why we've done this, I don't know. For example, in 2008, good to firm Ascot was 11.7, uh, and it's now classed as 8.9. Uh, it's looking like we could be starting the meeting possibly around 7.9 to, to 8, uh, or, or, or in that that area, it might dry up to 8.2, say, for post time. But it's nowhere near anything like proper, genuine good to firm ground and, and and it's the same with all tracks all the going sticks of basically that are classed as good to firm nowadays would have only been probably good back in sort of 2008 and i think th- this is a it's a worrying trend for me and john you might want to um start start a discussion on this it is a very worrying trend for the future of the brain to be honestly um mm-hmm. i mean they're not looking to breed sound arses, now they're looking to breed arses that can run an overwatered slot. I mean, the, the quote, safe ground all the time, and as I've said before on this podcast, they have absolutely zero stats for injuries on firm ground because they never, ever differentiate between firm ground and watered firm ground. And watering with a loose surface on top is just as likely to wrench a tendon as firm ground is to get a horse up or put a chip in a knee or anything like that. So it, it's just a double blind, really, and it's yet, yet more cow-towing to PETA and animal aid and all these other nutters that get the spot closed down, and they're going up a very dark alley with it. Yeah, very well said. I mean, I mean, for me, I've always said that... that the, the, the better, better standard of horse usually is rather smart as well and won't let themselves down on it. But they, they won't extend fully if they, if it's hurting them or you know they, they, you know they're not some some horses you know aren't that daft. If it's hurting, they're not going to extend or or do themselves damage. So the fact that it's firm doesn't really make any difference. They'll just not act on it if you like and won't extend their strides. To, you know, to, to be fully effective. So for me, it's I I really don't understand what they're doing and why. Um, no. And guys, uh, Catherine, uh, Lorne, you any views on this? Well, I I think I mean, surely the charm of British racing is is different uh, courses, different ground conditions, etc. If, if they're interested in just purely standardise everything, just rip everything up and like relate with all weather. There you go. That, that's the same safe ground throughout the. That's my vote, there you go. Yeah. Do that then. It's just, the, it's just going the same way as anything, isn't there? It's just literally that everything is becoming, you know, nanny state. Yeah. Infantilization of society, isn't it? You know, yeah, exactly. It is. It is. It's an absolute echo of what's going on in the wider world, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is. Um, it, it, it's it's no surprise. Whilst it's no surprise, it's also like John said, pre pretty damning evidence um remember you remember hot, like relentless hot summers when i was a kid and seeing great horses run and i ever remember seeing that many injuries how, how many nationals would red rumor one <laughs> you just want your ginger rant don't you no, no. <laughs> um, i mean i mean now mr, mr. frisk Mr. Frisk won on absolutely rock hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and and obviously we'll never we'll never see a performance like that again because obviously it won't, well we will anyway because the the track configuration changes but but never we won't ever see the race ever run on a surface like that again. Um, which again, I'm to be fair for national horses, I don't, I don't really I don't possibly I don't really want to see him you know run on run on firm ground probably but but in, in terms of flat horses in the summer you know it, it really should be as natural as possible and you know if you must water then please water to a standard that brings it to good lovely quick ground and yeah. and don't you know and what, what makes me laugh Lee, is you, you have all, all summer where you'll have a trainer who's got this deep shouldered behemoth about to run somewhere and he's banging on it in the press all week about safe ground once the ground to be safe pressurizing the clerk to water and that yeah. horse turns out to be all right. He's after the Breeders' Cup. He doesn't waste his breath because he knows where where it'll get him. Yeah. 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 Gosden, there's other trainers that make not loud noises and talk, talk, talk nicely. Doesn't help to, to the press, and you know it puts pressure there on the club to try and do what the trainers wanting them to do. Um, and I, I, as well, because they know the fact that a lot of trainers will pull the runners out on very fast ground. They don't like that either, because obviously the tracks want as many owners turning up, dining, etc., etc. So again, the water to taste, which is what, I, and that's, I think the trainers are the problem, really. But I mean, it, it, it's true. I mean, it, it's sort of you know, if Gosden picks the phone up, you know, he's held in such regard by the media, and he's such a you know very persuasive and a very nice chap. A lot of people will be cowed by him because, as, as Lee says, you know, you're threatening to pull horses out, and it's sort of part of least resistance is to do what Johnny G says, and they can justify it, you know, nice safe ground. So I think there's probably a lot, lot of it in that, to be honest. If you, I mean, if you, if like, I know I'm steering the conversation back round to national racing, but I'm mean, look at the state of Henderson these days. You know, he'd rather. This is a man that bought, like, basically, like, nursed see you then to win three champion hurdles. Now he's too bloody scared to to run horses, and they go on racecourse gallops. Like, yeah, like Santini, and Santini's beaten after a fence in the Gold Cup. It's just absolutely ludicrous. Good horses go on any ground. You know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's just a sad state of affairs. It is, and as I said, we, we go on to, to Ascot now and the questions, and uh, as I've already mentioned, they're potentially going to be looking to start the meeting on around 7.9, which is definitely definitely not good to burn. Um, and 7.1 on the round, I mean, I know it's warm, so obviously it's very difficult to, to get this right. And also then later on in the week, you've got, Rain Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now the, the problem is then is is so you're watering to try and protect Tuesday and Wednesday, but then you know you're getting uh, potentially then overwatered slop for the for the last three days, which kind of then just could could potentially uh, you know, ruin the meeting in a way. Well, but look, look, and, and you going back to, to the original point, I think. But look how the press certainly on social media, rounded uh, on anyone that dared suggest that the Epsom watering policy um, before the Oaks was anything other than the right thing to do in the interests of the horse. You know, people that said, oh, well, you know, they're turning into national hunt ground, they were shredded by the likes of Nick Luck and, and, and various others. So, so there is very much a, 
uh, what's the word, a bit of groupthink going on amongst the press about how the, this ground is watered. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like like I said, it's an ongoing problem, and I think that like racing media seems to be facilitating this, um, which is a which is a bit of a problem. But anyway, yeah. we'll go on to the questions, um, which are right. We'll start with Mike Martin from YouTube, and he said, uh, "Reference your comments, um, Lee and John, on BHA running their own Betfair exchange." Um, as I understand, BetDeck was the first to have 2% commission and not closing within accounts, but yet the liquidity did not improve to any great extent. Will the Leopard change its spots? And that's Mike Martin from YouTube. John? I, don't, I think at the time, I don't think BetDeck was a particularly attractive alternative to Betfair. There was a lot of liquidity on Betfair and it wasn't as... Um, draconian as it is now with affordability checks and things like that that are bringing in. Um, so I, I don't think really if you're comparing that to the potential of the BHA running their own exchange, I don't think that's really a like-for-like comparison. Um, yeah. I think um, people would be on the whole delighted to know that racing is finally putting a pair of pants on and going out to face the world and doing something about its financial situation rather than it's hand out to government and owners for handouts, basically. Um, I think racing really, really needs to do something like that. It, it lacks the will to do it, though, we know that. Yeah, it's very odd to say they've got a, a rather large... Uh, pot of uh, savings and, and probably land ownership and God knows what else they own, the jockey club, et cetera, et cetera, uh, at the disposal. But for some reason, there's just absolutely no reason whatsoever for them to get involved and try and make the sport better, stop the horses going to France, stop them going to Hong Kong, which is what's happening at the moment in, at an alarming rate. And I, I can see in a couple of years, we've, we're going to have a real crisis with sort of quality horses because a lot of them are just racing elsewhere for better money um, and if it doesn't change we're going to end up with wall to wall class sixes and class fives um, at Wolverhampton and, uh, and the like and you're going to struggle to fill these nice handicaps as we've seen so far this season John Epsom handicaps have been poor I mean we, I know Royal last you know we, we look like going down this sort of road um, in the early 70s sort of 72 75 time where standards were dropping and all, all the big stallions were in America. And it was probably John Magny that arrested the, the decline by putting this syndicate together and going and buying potential stallions in baby form at the Keeneland Yearling sales. Um, and that probably put racing back in a, in a better position than it was each it's, it's probably papered over the cracks to a certain extent because racing's just never been good at handling its finances, you know. I mean, really, I mean, they can sell all them bloody paintings at the jockey club rounds <laughs> and fund, fund, fund the spot for five years. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you couldn't put a squirrel's dick on a bit of blank wall space in the jockey club round. <laughs> All the Alfred <laughs> Mannings is that they've got. I'm yeah. sure most of them. I'm sure half of them are fakes anyway. They don't want to cough to it. <laughs> or paint by numbers. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I mean, Mike Martin's got a point in that. Yes, Bet Dak was the, um, you know, the, the the first exchange to try and wrestle the power from Betfair, no premium charge. But to be fair to Mike, um, Bet Dak found out that the business model wasn't working, and and a friend of mine, a professional punter of mine, um, he was put on eight percent commission. Um, you know, like instead of the two percent. Basically, if you're taking too much out of the exchange, um, obviously the business model's you know yeah. is struggling to work a little bit because um, you have to replace the, the, the fish. But so may, maybe the, a BHX exchange would struggle to work in the fact that you have to replace the the ones that's gone skin with um, a, a fresh a, a fresh meat, if you like. So. Um, that's the issue for me, whether a BHA exchange would work. I'm in favour of them trying at least, um, you know, because I'd go there. I'd take my business there. I'm sure every person that bets on horse racing would take the business away from Betfair if it meant that money was going back into the sport. But it's a difficult one for sure. I think, I think, the, prob- I think the problem is is branding now. Betfair, when you talk about exchange betting, what you mean is Betfair. And it's like vacuum cleaners and Hoover for years before the likes of Dyson and Shark came along. There, there's yeah, simply no credible alternative. So, but but that said, the BHA would at least be able to get all the press and the TV around the table and say, right, you know, we're going to push this hard. So at least they'd have a better chance than perhaps a commercial organisation would have to, to 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 raise some awareness of a new product. But as Lee says, it's a real uphill struggle, I think. Yes. Right, next question. Uh, I'm going to ask this one, which is, do you think the media get fixated on certain horses? And I'm going to put trainers in there as well. Um, In the build-up to the derby, for example, he says John Leeper, who only had minor league form, kept getting plenty of attention because he had a good backstory. Then when Frankie was booked to ride, the media went in overdrive. And that's from Faster Than Light on Twitter. Anybody with any... Any answer for for that question? Yeah, I think I think it happens quite often on 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 both codes. They become the sort of yeah every, every paper report because again you go back to that sort of not wanting to upset the gravy train and oh must must do a feature on that one you know. He says that if I if I come down in the morning, he's going to give me all 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 the sort of insiders, you know. Do you know what I mean? It just it, it goes down. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. goes down all that, and yeah, I think they do get fixated on certain horses, and then that in turn has a knock-on effect. And everything has a knock-on effect on the coverage of the race. Everything is like, well, everyone's talking about that. We we need to speak about that, you know. But before, like in every sort of broadcast meeting, there sort of be you know, circling what horses that they have to be talking about. And very often they are the the, the, the talking horses and then it has a knock on effect on the price and everything and blah 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 and it just yeah, it's all bollocks. Because Wait, it's, yeah, know, I mean I mean it's like the whole thing. Sorry, sorry, Captain. Sorry. Yeah. I mean it's it's like it's like um Ascot at the moment have got a fixation with Clem Booter old boy Wesley Ward. You know, it's like every, every time George Hamilton's back cousin, I think it looks like George Hamilton, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, George Hamilton, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, fact, um, yeah. yeah. He's um, and and I think I think that's it. I think sometimes organisations, media brands have fixations with like like we're saying about John Gosden. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, 
UK flat racing is obsessed with John Gosden. Yeah. He talks very well. Of course yeah. he does. Yeah, he, he's a very, very good public speaker. But, you know, it's just, they just, they do, they get obsessions with people. That's that natural deference to anyone who talks That's very, right. very clearly and talks <laughs> down to people and tells you what a very, very good trainer he is. And uh, there's no dissenting voices actually questioning it, is there? Yeah. You know. Because same, they're all of the same milk, they're cut from the same cloth, aren't they? Yeah. Right, next question is from Frankie on the blower. And he says, assuming the ground is good to firm for the start of the meeting, is there going to be a draw advantage on the straight course? John, have you any views on this? Ascot, I tend to play hard draws on the straight course. Yeah. It's, it just seems to work for me. I have no stats to hand it whatsoever. It's just what I does. I did a bit of research and I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll look from 1997 to see what happens in big fields, uh, handicaps on the straight course. So, so basically over 16 runners, uh, genuine sort of fast ground, faster than good anyway. And it was, it was quite, quite market actually. You either need to be drawn low or high. Centre is not really the place to be. Um, it, uh, like for example, bigger than 26, no, 25, bigger than 25, so 26 and higher on straight course races at Ascot with 16 or more runners, um, you are twice as likely to win the race than any other draw. That, that's that's fact. So, you're right, John, you're right. In your hunch, you are you're bearing up what the stats say, but also low is not bad either. It's, it's as if you have to be on either flank and I, I, I don't know why that is I, I don't know if it's probably because they, they took plenty of water on and it's all going in the middle I don't know I've no idea I've absolutely no idea but it just it just seems to favour either like I think either that, wherever the water it never quite gets to the extremities does it I think that's right I mean the, the, the old days of watering I mean that's why you get rail biases like at, Yar at Yarmouth for years it used to be either the far rail or the stand side rail. Yeah. It's well, because well, obviously. First gone the, the straight cars, that used to be better than double teaming the Minogue sisters, didn't it? <laughs> That's the first. I should be so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, that's a terrible dad joke. Um, I'm good at them. Um, yeah, but you're right. Um, and I think that's it because the, the way that the watering system works, you get any wind, it's not going to fall fully fully on, under that under either rail. It kind of so the, the middle gets the most. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So we've we've sort of answered that. Um, oh, one more question before we go on to the best part of the show, which is horses to avoid. For the week and our, our blockbuster blockbuster selections for the meeting. Um, and final question comes from Andrew Wood um, off of Twitter. Councillor Wood, me a councillor, Tory councillor. Um, um, if Sage were a betting syndicate, how long would their betting bank last, John? Well, 
if if that Chris Whitty's involved, I think he could spin a betting bank out quite some time, actually, because I think what he'd do, he'd uh, set up a press conference and stare down the camera at all the old women sitting on fat pension pots at home, and like, kind of in the manner of those evangelist preachers in America, he'd get them all to send him some money in return for him keeping them safe from COVID. System going well, send more money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, I was sort of thinking on the lines of, if, if you gave them a betting bank and said, right, this is a systematic approach, you'll make about 10% on investment every year. Um, right, so you need to work out what you're going to stake on each bet. If you gave him say ten grand, I think he'd have like five pence on each bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Nick Pullen in the Racing Post, quarter point win over three corners, isn't that? Yeah, remember him? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Not Nick I mean, Pullen. What's his name? The other fellow, the fellow with the beard. He'll come uh, to do it now. Ralph Harris. Ralph Harris. Yeah, that's him. That's the fella. Yeah, I knew I could. Kevin Pullen. Kevin Pullen. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Not Ralph Harris. <laughs> <laughs> he was the only beard I knew at the time. Sorry? He was the only beard I could think of. Yes, that's right. Yes. He, actually, I think he probably still is. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Carry on. No, no, no. I mean, I mean like I said, it's it, basically, I think like that's it. I mean, they're so cautious with life at the moment. And, and, yeah, so Andrew, that's what I think would happen. He'd be better in five pences, and uh, you know that that would be it. Um, right, we'll move on to some uh, good uh, good part of the show now. Uh, we'll give our t- our bad tips out for the week. Uh, before that, I just want to say about uh, Nick Davis has, has chimed in with two, I think, two very interesting selections for the week. And I know he's been he's been out today, John, on his motor scooter, um, <laughs> and he's. <laughs> He's around the smoke today doing the Paddy Power meetings, uh, sorry, the Paddy Power bookmakers, and he's gone and backed um, Untold Story for the Ascot Stakes. He says it's an interesting runner. He says it's going up in trip massively, but a few things that might see it improve. Um, the Dam Tasmania has thrown up some decent improvers over longer distances. Uh, a couple of RPRs of 114. This gets off 94. And basically, he thinks this could improve massively for the trip. So he's very confident. That's his nap of the week at 20 to 1 uh, in the Ascot Stakes. And secondly, he thinks in the St. James's Palace Stakes that um, he doesn't think there's a standout amongst the three year old milers. And it isn't the worst idea in the world that chinned it. Uh, simply hates new market and given the way it ran on from the rear uh, uh, on the near side it could be upgraded quite markedly on that run so chinned it and untold story are nick selections right let's come to the the meat of the show uh we've, we've each got three selections guys and i'm gonna start first with Catherine for your third best third best of the week my third best of the week uh yeah, I'll put Lethal Steps as my third best. Lethal Steps, the Ascot Stakes. Oh, go on. Sorry, Denise. Denise, please. Denise. <laughs> um, uh, reasoning? Reasoning, um, well, um, it's been off an awful long time. Had a little pipe opener again over jumps. Uh, 
really do anything. You read the race comments, says weakened, but wasn't really put in the race. Um, the fact that they've targeted this and they go, like we were talking before, Spencer on board, 25 to 1 at the moment. Um, I love the Ascot stakes. Um, it's almost like, you know, as exciting as all the non-jiggers in the Coral Cup for me. And um, I, I, I just think there's, there might be something funny going on. I'm sounding like Jim Bolger now, but you catch my drift. <laughs> And he gets and he gets Gordon's uh, magic carrots as well. So so yes, uh, absolutely. So uh, twenty five to one a pleasure for Catherine. Lethal steps is her third best of the week in the Ascot Stakes. Lord Malver, I'll come well, to you. Well, your third my bets are blockbuster in in the sense of the old video shop that went skint a few years back. That that that's the that's the only blockbuster connotation of my selections. But my third best. Uh, or best worst, or the other way to put it, is a lay of Lord North in um, the Prince of Wales. I think the run, it won that uh, group contest in Maidan in March. I thought that race was absolute toilet. I think it, the overall standard of form that it's shown, I think is probably much akin to a, an Australian Group 1, which is probably like a claimer at Wolverhampton, to be honest. Um, broke a blood vessel last time. And at the price, I think you've got to take it on. Um, you know, there's enough depth in that race that that ain't a nine to four chance in it in my book at all. So I would want to be against Lord North. So you're against Lord North as your third best bet of the week, which is yeah. about seven to four with the bookmakers. Yeah. Um, last seen, obviously, winning at Maidan um, in the um, in the Group One turf there yeah. over a mile and a furlong. Uh, probably sort of sort of concur with some of your reasons there in terms of um, form, form levels. Um, I mean, the thing is, I'm, I'm just worried. Like, if, if, I, if I were taking Lord North on, I, I haven't got a clue, for example, how how Love is training at the moment. You know, they, they seem oh, to Jim, have delayed. Tell you. He knows. Jim will tell you. <laughs> I've had a text from him this morning saying you've got to be against Lord North. So that's it. Me done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so I wasn't sure on love, but but yeah, so right, okay, so Lord North, you're against in the in the Prince of Wales. That's yep. on the Wednesday in in the four twenty. John, your third best of the week, please. My third best of the week is in the six ten on Thursday, the Buckingham Palace handicap, and it is Roger Varian's Lord Campari. Um, this ah. one basically. Hasn't had any racing as such. It's run fair times in its life. I don't honestly think it's had its ground since its debut. Um, it's been running on good to soft, very soft, good to soft, good to soft. Um, was handy in the lockings first time up this year. Ground was way too soft for it and he weakened out of it. He's dropping back a furlong here. Hopefully it won't tank down and affect the ground too much, but I still think this is a horse of potential. It looks far more in need of the run on Debbie behind Palace Payer. I know this is a very tenuous thing to say, but he's beaten six and a half lengths by Palace Payer on Debbie. Um, there is no way this is only a one or two horse for me. I think this can probably rate between 108 and 110. 
and uh, I think it's one of the few you can make a case for still being well in the race. Well, he, apparently the connection, uh, the, the some of the work riders there uh, were very frustrated at Shaker Bade's sort of running plans for this, and you know, obviously Shaker Bade's there running in Group One, one you know, straight to the lockage when I think everyone at Varian's wanted it just to go for a listed race stroke, you know, whatever. Um, mm. And it's interesting that they have put it in handicap company. So I'm, I think it was several better than a strongly run race as well, you know. I mean, yeah, it, it should it should suit. I mean, the, 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 the lad is an absolute nutcase, apparently. You know, he's a, he's a very strong, uh, spirited um, cult. And the, the, the thing for me is, like you said, it will get a strongly run race. The 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 one bugbear though, if you do, if you're thinking soft ground's not not his his cup of tea, there are they are forecasting, or it depends who you look at, anywhere between six mm. and twelve millimeters on Thursday. Yeah. And I think that that sort of like everyone's sort of like got to take a deep breath. Ah, I'm, 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 I'm just yeah, everybody can take a and decide what they want to do on Thursday, you know, but I mean, all things being equal, I think if uh, if this thing gets its ground on Thursday, I think it'll be a big chop so we need at the variance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I concur. You, you're right, it is well in, um, and it's a very interesting runner. So, John, a good third bet from you. Um, myself, um, I'm I'm going. Um, my third best bet of the week is in the 5:35 at Ascot on Wednesday, and it's in the Windsor Castle. And I'm on, I'm actually on Thursday's cards. What an idiot! Um, yeah, it's in the Windsor Castle, and it's the Wesley Ward uh, runner, uh, Ruthie. Um, priced around four to one. Um, this horse destroyed a horse called Artos um, at, at Keeneland. And I watched the race. I was just incredibly impressed. It was green as grass. It blit, it just blitz clear. Um, it's, got, it's, got, it's got pace to burn. The interesting thing as well is that Ar- they've declared Artos from another yard um, in America. They're running that in the Queen Mary. So you can tell the level of the form there. And as I said, Ruth, to me, if that improves... Any, any, in any way, shape, or form, I, they're gonna have to go crackers to beat that. That's by Ribchester, and I also think, by the way, Wesley Ward's gonna have an amazing first two days. That's when the ground's gonna be fastest. It's gonna be really quick, I think, on Wednesday in particular, because they'll be frightened to death to water on Tuesday night with the forecast Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I think Wednesday's gonna be the quickest ground as well. If you want real quick ground horses, Wednesday will be the best day. And and I just think. Ruthin by Ribchester, Selkirk Mare. I think I think uh, she she bolts up in the Windsor Castle. Right, we'll we'll, we'll go around again. John, your second best selection uh, uh, for the week. Right, your second best is in the Hunt Cup. You got to be careful how you say it. I know it's not first, but you you still have to you know offer a degree of caution how you say it. Um, I mean, the one I like is Ropey Yes. <laughs> What's um, that? What? Have you got a Western on? No, there's a phone going up in the background. Um, <laughs> Ropey Yes. Better over this mile than seven furlongs last time. Um, 
It's the second run after being gelded. Just couldn't get into it in the Vicky Cup, but I think a, a strong pace and a fairly restrained ride from Quayley should do the trick here. And uh, I'm, I'm quite hopeful that Ropey Guest can uh, land an each-way bet in the Hunt Cup. I think I think there's some good horses lined up to, to run here. I think Magical Morning's dangerous and Montatham. But uh, I, I think Ropey Guest's the value. Ropey Guess is a monstrous 40 to 1 chance, John. Yeah. Uh, like I said, finished six behind River Nymph last time, ran a good race, really, to be 40s. Um, I, um, I w- I w- only, only thing I would say on that is being by Cable Bay, um, you know, whether the ground might be a bit bit lively for it, would that worry? Is, 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 is it okay on quicker ground? Or? Yeah, I think it'd be fine on uh, quick stuff, to be honest. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. He's not a big horse. Yeah. Fair play. So, second best bet of the week at the prices for John is Ropey Guest, trained by George Margson in the Hunt Cup. That's the five o'clock at Ascot on the Wednesday at, at 40 to 1. Lovely. Um, Lawn, your second best. I will be going for Dragon Man each way in the Commonwealth Cup. Um, Lee and I know, although to wildly varying stakes, know this horse quite well. We backed it at Haydock last time. When he got nutted on the line, was it beating a short head or a or a nose? It was just just nutted and yeah. the post. I think it'll improve for uh, better ground. Although you mentioned heavy rain, but at least we can at least we know it goes on the worst kind of haydock slop, so it shouldn't be inconvenienced by the ground. For me, it gets no. a significant jockey upgrade from McNamara to Oshin Murphy. I think that's yep. you know that's worth a couple of lengths in my book certainly. And Archie Watson, I think, is absolutely mustered. Uh, with speed horses and around about seven, eight to one mark. I think that represents really good each way value, particularly if you bet it on the day with the enhanced place terms, because I think you'll get first, first 25 with Hills or something, won't you? So you'll get some, <laughs> if only. Yeah. So you'll get enhanced place terms on the day. So that's my second best bet. Yeah. Very good choice. I mean, this, this was fourth on my list, um, you know, around the eight to one mark. Don't think it's a, a massive amount of value. Obviously the Wesley Wardner in there, uh, Campanel, but but I still think that this is a very 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 useful horse, very genuine horse, and I do think Dragon Symbol is one to look forward to for the rest of this year. I think he's a brilliant sprinter, and I couldn't anyone off whatsoever um, at, at each way bet, like you say, on favoured each way turn. So so that's Lawn's second best bet, three forty Ascot on the Friday, the Commonwealth Cup, at eight to one Dragon Symbol. Catherine, not leaving you out here for your second best. What have you got? Second best bet for me is Nord in the Hunt Cup uh, for Jesse Harrington. Um, last saw him at a mile in October at Ascot, horse and distance on the soft. Has one on good as well, so not too bothered about that. Back to a mile suit, we know he acts. And um, what price is he at? I did just have the... Uh, Mark it up there. You can get 16s in places, so um, that'll be my second best. So that's that's Nord in the five o'clock race. I'm just trying to find uh, prices. Um, um, is that running Nord? Is that where are we? Um, it's in the album bar, isn't it, Catherine? <laughs> 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 I can't find that on my card. Number five. 
just a train. Hang on, I've I've got it on. I'll get it on at race card order. Um, and then for so it's, it's my racing purse has gone absolutely crazy. Um, uh, yeah, my assistant's telling me it's there. So yeah, right. Anyway, <laughs> sorry about this. I mean, I just you feeling all right? You've been on the gin. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually, I know. I know what I've done. I know what I've done. Right, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, it's fine now. Yeah, no. Jesse Harrington's, yeah, the the, the Roderick O'Connor. Yes, I mean, second to Kinross, really, really good football. Um, yeah, can't, can't knock that at all. That was, that was sort of um, uh, a, a race that I was sort of like marked off as, as being very, very strong form because Kinross, for me, was ultra impressive in that. It was sort of almost like... This is going to be better than Group Three. So the fact that Njord, like you say, had driven him behind it, I like it, Catherine. Yeah. So you're saying that 16, 16 to one's available for, for Njord. It is. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, I reckon that's what's wrong with me. There's no gin today. Um, so so, so we're, we're having to make do with, with, with very ordinary wine. Um, no good. Um, right. So that's that's for Catherine Njord in the Hunt Cup on Wednesday, the five o'clock race. There, that's her second best choice of the week mine is going to be another wesley wardrunner 230 <laughs> ascot wednesday the queen mary um twilight gleaming is the name of the horse and this filly i mean she's built like el toro i mean i mean this is this is a seriously yeah. well-built filly um and i mean <laughs> god knows what he's been feeding this but I mean, this is this is this is big. This is a big filly, big strong filly. Um, she absolutely destroyed a field at Belmont. Um, incredibly impressive. Uh, I watched her do a piece of work with the Norfolk favourite Luce, and she was definitely on top of Luce uh, in the closing stages. Um, and again, this is another a, a, a typically. Um, in a year where I don't think we've got anything amazing in the Queen Mary, to be honest, maybe maybe the Aiden horse yet yeah, might have a say in it, but I, I really think Wesley Ward will have a fantastic first couple of days, and I'm I'm tipping him to win the Queen Mary with Twilight Gleaming available at nine to two with John Velasquez. He's he's all that's remind me, you know, of uh, you remember them uh, episodes of Tom and Jerry where Jerry used to find the the little tablet that made him as big as a bulldog. Yeah. And he used to kick the shit out of Tom. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a bit what like, these houses look like when they turn up, don't they? Yeah, they built like brick shit houses. Yeah. 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 And um, old Clem Booterall, uh, Wesley will surely have the, the, the right tackle um, in his horses there for the that, first couple of got- days. That way, they? they'll just absolutely love old Wesley to have a brilliant first two days. They'll just be like, Well, they won't know what to do with themselves. Wouldn't bother asking yeah. if they were glowing like they were on ready press, would it? Well, it's, all, it's, all part, it's all part of the appearances, darling. Yeah. <laughs> right, we come round now to our best bets. And um, I'll go back round the wheel again and I'll go to Catherine first for okay. your very, very best bets of the week. Okay, I'm, I'm actually quite excited about this. Right, so my best bet of the week is in a race I love as well. 
um, you'd be surprised to know that, yes, I, I do actually have uh, a favourite flat race at Wallasket, and that is the St James's Palace. Um, Thunder Moon for the baby Joseph. I think we can put a line through the Guineas. Got very upset in the preliminaries. Um, I think if you if we look back at one of Drax's uh, dawn approach when he ran in the Derby, ran no sort of race, and then came out and absolutely smashed in in the St James's Palace. Um, I remember we were all on Thunder Moon when he won in Ireland last year, and automatically became a horse to follow. For this season, I just think whatever happened at Newmarket, just strike it out. And I think he, at fourteen to one for the St James's Palace, um, I make my best my best bet of the week. Good stuff. That's available at around the fourteen to one mark with Frankie in the saddle. Yeah, um, it's a it's a favourite horse of mine. Did me an absolute massive turn in a in a Group One at the Curra last that September. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Be- beating Wembley, um, you know, I had a right few quid on that day. Uh, didn't quite repeat the form in, in the in the slop um, behind St Mark's Basilica, and like you say, it wasn't moving at all well at Newmarket that day. Apparently um, got very just... upset in the preliminaries, and um, obviously Joseph's in way better form now. Um, his horses are absolutely firing in, and uh, yeah, I just I think it's an absolute cracker's price. I'm one for the baby Joseph. Yes, yes, yes. There's some magic carrots again. Magic carrots, gotta love those. Yes. Gotta respect the magic carrots. Absolutely. So Thunder Moon for Catherine, best bet of the week. Lovely price as well, folks. Fourteen to one. That's on the Wednesday, four twenty. The St James's Palace, and that's also obviously all races this week live on ITV4. Lorne, give me your best bet of the week. Is he there? Oh, we've lost Lorne. Have we lost he's John? Down. He's still down. I think that's it. We, we, he, he's, he's completely gone. We've, we'll, we'll, we'll get Lorne back anyway and, and get his best bet on on uh, on, on, on Twitter. So we'll, we'll put all our bets on Twitter uh, to make sure that no one misses out on what we're choosing. So, John, <laughs> we'll come to you. Well, I'm afraid um uh... I'm going to be donning the Onion Jack waistcoat a la Tim Brook Taylor. I'm going to be out there watching the road procession, watching <laughs> watching the hat arrive in its own car. And, uh, and um, I'll be che- cheering on companionship in the Sandringham handicap. Now, this is significant, right? This needs five to come out. It's packed down the bottom of the weights on eight stone. Now, three above it in the weights are also trained by Willie Agus. And none of those three have jocked up, but he's already booked Ollie Doyle for this. This thing ran um, in a listed race last time and was quite fancied, believe it or not. And it was over a man and a quarter. It was six, six to one, Newbury. Yeah. Um, we can probably didn't see it out on the on the soft ground. Um, a better surface, dropping back in trip. A horse that the Haggis Yard makes six to one to win a listed race should not be running off eighty anywhere. 
No. End, end of discussion. I mean, this is 90 minimum. And providing this gets in, I'm absolutely going to jail over this. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is good analysis because this horse beat Quenel Door um, at Chelmsford back in November. Like you said, they made it four, four, four to six to beat Quenel Door. Yeah. Um, Quenel Door has absolutely bolted up off eighty at Goodwood um, last. Uh, I think it was Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. Um, it won easily um, off eighty. Um, and obviously this beat that. So like you say, how can this be 81? Like you say, six to one for a listed race. Obviously, I guess we've, we've said this about uh, Roberto uh, and Pablo Escobar. He doesn't, he doesn't tilt at windmills, does I guess. If, no. if he thinks, if he, you know, if they're not there just for a day out, you know, this, he would have thought that Philly could have won that listed race. Um, so like you said, with that in mind, that's a very, very good spot. The um, stiff male's um, perfect, you know. I mean, it's going to be running at probably a collapsing pace. I yeah. genuinely can't see a hole in this. Uh, th- I think th- think you guys have come with some corkers, really. I, I, I love some of Catherine's selections, um, you know, from the Irish. And, um, and you've definitely hit the jackpot with this because this looks a, a very good bet. And I hope you've backed it because I think I – think for, for listeners, I, th- I think you'll be getting quite excited at listening to John's reasoning and, and my endorsement there at 25 to 1. I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic um, selection, John. Um, yeah, great stuff. Uh, so companionship is John's bet of the week in the 5 o'clock on Friday. That's the Sandringham uh, Phillies handicap there. And I think John's uh, won the races really with that one at 25. That's a, that's a terrific shout. Um, I will finish it off with a really boring shout. Um, but again, I, I'm playing a strategy this week. I've, I've already highlighted about Wesley Ward uh, on the first two days, and, I, and basically my bet of the week, and, I, and I'm telling you now this will win. Uh, coffee maker in the Coventry, the Philly of, of Wesley's. Uh, if, if you've got YouTube, go on to YouTube and watch the workouts of this horse at Keeneland. Watch the way this worked all over Lucci, the, the, the Norfolk Stakes favourite. You'll, you'll see what I mean. Again, massive filly, huge filly, built like uh, Tom and Jerry's bulldog, like John says. Um, and, I mean, this is a serious, serious filly. I, I, I cannot, I can't, I, I'll even predict, she, she won't just win this, she'll bolt up in this. Um, she won at Keeneland by six, six and a quarter. Um, it could have been 600, 600 length. Um, but just seeing her in, in a workout, how impressive she is. She's just simply, this filly will, will make the headlines. And you need to back this filly because, as I said, this is something that, forget the Colts, she'd be bigger than most of the Colts in here. And I can't tell you how confident I am on coffee making in the 305 Ascot on Tuesday, the Coventry Stakes, lump on and stick all the Wesley Ward runners in a Trixie that, 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 that I've mentioned. I think that's a nice bet. You know, you've got three runners to look forward to over two days then. And obviously, it'll pay a nice few quid if if I'm right. And Wesley does land the big big treble of, uh, of, of two-year-old races. I certainly think he can get two out of three. Um, and and I, I definitely think he'll get one. So that's the angle from me. Some fantastic selections from John and Catherine. Uh, I think Lorne Malvo's 
completely had enough and stormed off, um, which I don't blame him. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's the way it goes, isn't it? But yeah, um, we, well, we're back uh, this week, actually. Um, we've got some fantastic shows coming up. We're going to do every night at Ascot this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, we're doing every single night covering off the uh, the racing and selections and updates um, for you each evening, just 20 to 30 minute uh, slots. Live um, from Chateau Junior on Tuesday. Absolutely. And that's that's what I was about to say, that, that on Tuesday we're doing our very, very first live show, which is on our YouTube channel. And you can get involved, you can comment and basically, you know, abuse us, ask us all sorts. And um, we'll be we'll be commenting back live like some kind of you know second rate radio show um yeah i, I promise not to have drank too much um but that, that lies um <laughs> so, so so yeah so tuesday is 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 a is our first live show so don't miss that we hope you enjoyed that and i'll we'll put the selections on twitter um after a day or so just to make sure that you 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 um you know what we're all backing but yeah so I hope you've enjoyed it. That's all from me, Catherine, uh, John, and the Scarlet Pimpernel who's popped off. Um, and bye for now. <laughs>